Today's title is this, The Gospel We Proclaim. And those words, gospel and proclaim, might be big and need some explanation for some of us. So I say this um, to help you, and that is gospel simply means good news. That's where we form the word from. It literally just means good news. And to proclaim something is what I'm doing today. It is making it known. It is sharing it with others. And so if you've ever struggled, and this is what I want to know today, you better not lie in church. Okay, hear me well. Don't lie in church. Shouldn't lie, but don't lie in church, okay? There's There's somebody that did that in the Bible, and it did not turn out well. I'm just saying. Anyway, don't lie in church. When I ask you this question, I want full honesty. And I want, like, not proud hands, but prominent hands, okay? If you've ever struggled to articulate or explain your faith to someone, let me see your hand. You ever fumbled the ball? (laughs) Okay, we're in a good group of people today. We all have. Did you notice my hand went up too? There are times where I've just missed the mark or I've started down a path that didn't even lead to where I thought it was going to go and I struck up a conversation and then got shot down really quick and then walked away battered and was like, you know, they ate me for lunch. And I, I, so you and I are humans, but we're called according to God's word to actually proclaim and exclaim and preach This good news. Now, I say that to say, I want you as a church, each individual who calls Celebrate Church their home, I want us as a church to be at the place where we get comfortable in the practice of proclaiming the gospel with our family, our friends, our coworkers. I'm not asking any of you to go and become a full time evangelist. And travel the country and hold tent crusades or jump on a plane and fly around the world to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. I don't know that any of you, it's possible, but I don't know that any of you just based on proportions and math are called to be the next Billy Graham. I, I know I'm not called to be the next Billy Graham. But I will say this, each of us has a job to do in sharing our faith and the gospel with those around us. Amen. So what I want to do is encourage you like Paul did when he encouraged Timothy. He says this in 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 5. He says very simply, always be sober minded. So have your mind have your mind right about what you believe. Endure suffering, which okay, hey, this is part of the gospel. <laughs> And this is not the gospel that gets all the big offerings on the TV ministries, but persecution exists for those who believe in God. I got one that said that's right and two or three heads nodding. Did you know that people in this United States of America are persecuted and suffer for their faith? It is possible and it is a reality that will come in one way, shape, or form for each and every believer. 
You may be alienated. You may be um, alienated from a, uh, a relationship. You may be not demoted necessarily. Uh, but in today's day and age, you'll definitely get looked over for promotions. If you've been a person who has talked about your Christian faith and having morals and things like that. So understand persecution is a reality and suffering is a reality for us. But God, but God. And so what Paul says to Timothy says, as he says, be sober minded, endure the suffering. Like, hey, buddy, I know you're going to have a a rough time over there, but keep your head up. God's going to do something awesome. He's going to carry you through. And he says this, do the work of an evangelist. So point number one is this. All of us have a responsibility to proclaim this good news. I want to give you a warning, though, if we'll go back to that scripture verse. The word of God, listen to me, the word of God is inspired by the Holy Spirit for their benefit back then and for my benefit today. You may hear me reference places in scripture. Paul wrote a letter to Timothy. It's in the canon of scripture. It's not just a man's writing. It's inspired by God. And here's the point of the warning that I give to you. Because there is the possibility that you are tempted to say, well, pastor, that was written from Paul, one apostle to another church leader. So I guess that job's on you. But here's the thing. If we use that logic, then none of you can claim Jeremiah 29, 11 is my favorite verse. Because it was written to the exiles in Babylon. It wasn't written for your benefit, right? It had an audience then, but we can still apply it to our lives today. And if you're a believer and know what that says, you've probably heard the phrase, even if you haven't been churched all your life, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you. And I mean, people get tattoos of it on their body. Like they're excited about that. But we can't use that logic and be like, well, that was for the pastor named Timothy. And that that probably just applies to you, Pastor Dexter. Because the word of God is for all of us to be encouraged, grow, build up. So let's not use that logic and let's understand it in terms of this. Brother Sam, would you help with some chairs? Um, Let us understand that we must make sure that we all have a job to do in in proclaiming the good news. So I'm going to give two examples, okay? People in this room that are present with us today. I thought about Sandra this past week. And thank you for leading Pray First today. I thought about Sandra. And um, Sandra could very well think, hey, I'm retired. I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm over this. <laughs> I don't have a job. It's just my grandbaby. Uh, but here's the thing. She's not retired from her faith in God. Amen. And so she still has a job to do. All right. So she has a job to do. She still has people that she interacts with every single week that I don't know and I don't interact with that God has placed in her life. Maybe look up at me. They're just moving chairs, (laughs) y'all. Okay. Pay attention. Look, maybe God put them in her life for her to shine her light and share her faith 
of a life-transforming good news that can change their eternity. It's very possible. I think of somebody like Eric, who's with us today. He and his family are part of our church for a long time, and he's in the medical profession. And I think to myself, he's got dozens, maybe he sees a hundred patients in a single week. He's got a handful of nurses and other doctors that he works with. He floats from one location to the next. He's interacting with all of these people. I ask you today, is it possible that God put him in that place of employment in order for him to have a moment we call a divine appointment to be able to share his faith in the quiet of a cup of coffee with another doctor or to encourage someone to believe in a God they've never known of before, whether it's a patient, whether it's a doctor. I believe that that's possible. I believe God didn't just send Jesus to save you and I, but he came so that he would be able to have us as lights in the world to seek and save the lost. The apostle Peter writes and tells believers in 1 Peter chapter 3, he says this in verse 14, even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, again, there's that ugly word we don't want to talk about, suffer for righteousness sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them or be troubled, but in your hearts honor Christ as holy, always being prepared to be able to defend or make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you and do it with gentleness and respect. I want you to understand what what is happening here as Peter has encouraged these believers. Now think historically for just a second. The church has scattered from the book of Acts and the city of Jerusalem, and they're obeying the command and commission of Jesus Christ who said, go into the world and share this gospel, preach this gospel in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and even to the ends of the earth. Now they've been scattered throughout different kingdoms and countries. And Peter is writing a letter that is going to circulate to all of these churches. And he says this, even if you're going to suffer for righteousness sake, don't be troubled in your heart, honor Christ and share your faith. That's the sum of it. So what I take, if I'm going to deduce and break that down, when I don't share my faith, I am dishonoring Christ. When I am not prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks why it is that I have hope and they don't, when I'm not prepared, I am dishonoring Christ, my Savior. If I ever make a defense for this gospel that we proclaim and I don't do it with gentleness and respect, I'm dishonoring Christ. So I want us to think in the same terms of those New Testament believers that received this letter that's now considered part of our Bible in First Peter when he tells them that, hey, trouble is going to come. It's just a part of natural faith and our journey of faith. But don't be afraid. Whatever you do, honor the Lord and share your faith with others. The truth is all of us have a responsibility to proclaim the good news. Amen. 
In order to appreciate the good news, we must first recognize bad news. And this is not the this is not the fun part to talk about. But how many of you, just by a show of hands, you've heard this question before? It's a statement and a question. I have good news and I have bad news. What do you want first? How many of you are the bad news first people? Raise your hand. Right? Because you you'd rather be let down and then be built up. Right? Do we have anybody in here that would say they want the good news first and the bad news later? <laughs> okay. There's a couple. There's a couple. They're like, okay, but like psych me up and get me really, really excited. And then you can let me down slowly and gently. Right? So here's, here's the reason why I say this. We've got to recognize that the bad news exists in order to appreciate the good news. Today, I want you, as believers in Jesus Christ, to be able to walk out with an encouragement in your heart to do what 1 Peter 3 says and have no fear. Did you know I'm a human? I'm a dad. I'm a father. I'm just like you. I watch the TV. I know what's going on in the world. I can understand sharing your faith in the workplace is very troublesome. I know that there are things that we face, but listen, here's the thing. You are not alone. We've been dealing with this for a long time. You may feel that stress and pressure of, ooh, I don't know if I'll get fired if I do this. Yeah, they experienced that in the book of Acts and the rest of the New Testament as well. But they pushed through to those moments that God divinely ordained and shared the good news. So here's number two. The bad news is that all have sinned and need redemption. You've got to be able to be at the place where you can defend this acknowledgement from Scripture. That all have sinned, according to Romans chapter 3, and fall short of the glory of God. That there is no one righteous, not a single one. And we have to start, this is really the trouble. I don't want to step on so many toes this morning. Holy Spirit, help me. Okay, I'm not going to look at you when I say this. This might be some of the trouble in our educational system that pushes evolution because it's the absence of God. So my first step a lot of times in sharing my faith is trying to convince somebody that God actually created the world, that there is intelligent design behind all that exists. I'm going to tell you, I watched a video, a short TikTok video of a National Geographic this week, and I rewatched it probably a dozen times. Mesmerized, mesmerized. Four orcas hunting in the Arctic Circle in that area. They're hunting for food, and they see this big old fat seal on this giant piece of ice. And as the video unfolds and it's being narrated, Without talking in human language, the four orcas cause a tidal wave to go under that block of ice, iceberg, to break it up into smaller pieces so the seal has no escape. And the four of them in unison, like you would see in SeaWorld, swim again and break up the smaller piece to get the seal in the water so that they can have their lunch. And I thought to myself, how in the world... Does anybody believe that we started from a cell that got broken apart? 
God created the world and all that is within it. And so we have some convincing to do when we tell them the bad news. The bad news is for them that all have sinned and we're all in need of redemption. So man created or God created man good and upright. The Bible says in Genesis chapter one through three, when it tells the creation account, it says that he created man good and upright, but that we fell from the grace of God in that moment because we chose to sin. We call this the fall. When that happened, Adam and Eve incurred two deaths, not only a physical death, and I am a firm believer in my study of God's word that had there been no occurrence of sin, Adam and Eve would still be alive on the earth today. It was at that moment they chose to sin that they incurred physical death and also a spiritual death. And that was passed down to all of us. So now physical death is a reality for us, and all of us are spiritually dead and separated from God until we come to him in faith, believing that he wants to give us rebirth and cause us to live again. Look at what Romans chapter 5 verse 12 says. Listen, you need to take notes today. Get your phone out and take notes. This is good. This is going to help you this week. I've been praying all week, in fact, that God would give you divine opportunities that you couldn't mess up. That's what I've been praying. I really have all week long. Lord, help the members and the people of Celebrate Church to have divine opportunities to share their faith that they don't mess up because we need that. We need that prayer. Look at what Romans chapter 5 verse 12 says. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned, then jump to verse 15 and 16. It says, the free gift, talking of salvation, is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, talking about Adam, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounding for many. Verse 16, the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift of salvation following trespasses brought justification. That free gift of Jesus Christ crucified on the cross, living again after he rose from the dead and seated in heavenly places at the right hand of the Father, that brought us justification. He is, I will tell you this, the only way to heaven. Buddha won't get you there. Muhammad won't get you there. Their bones are laying somewhere in this earth. And unfortunately, without salvation in Jesus Christ in the last moment of their life, they are burning in eternal punishment even today. There is no God like our God who provided the solution that could be the only way the solution could have been provided was through him. Keep reading. It says this in verse 18. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, 
So one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. And let me just say this. You understand when I say this, when I'm reading, when it says the word men, this is not a sexist thing. Okay, It's not a single gender thing. This is mankind, humankind. It's for both genders. It's for men and for women. It's for young and for old. It's for all, everyone. One trespass condemned us all. And one act of righteousness leads to justification in life. Verse 19 says this, For as one man's disobedience... For as by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. Well, I'm not good enough. We go into a bunch of different things and categories of things that people have as excuses as to why they haven't received Christ or begin to walk with him. I've been hurt in the church. I, I this, I that. I'm telling you what, God wants you to be a beacon of hope to share this gospel with the people you know and the people that you love in your life and even with the people you don't like. Even with the boss that you despise, he wants to save that boss. I know what you want to do with that boss, but God wants to save that boss. Amen? Can I get an amen? Amen. Point number three is this. The good news is that all can be redeemed and made righteous. Come on. That is good news. So the good news and the bad news are in that passage in Romans chapter 5. It keeps saying, the bad news is this, the bad news is this, but the good news is this, and the good news is this. The good news is all can be redeemed through the blood of a perfect sacrifice provided by God himself, none other than his only begotten son, Jesus the Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 30 says this, Christ Jesus became for us wisdom from God, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. John 3.16, pretty much everybody in the Bible Belt South could probably quote. They bought a t-shirt one time in Walmart that says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. I want you to hear me clearly today. The gospel I preach is the full gospel of the word of God. It is unadulterated, unfiltered. I am here to tell you that God will accept anyone who comes to him in faith believing that his son is the son of God. But listen to me, he loves you enough to not leave you as you are. That is the full gospel. Amen? 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21 says this, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become 
the righteousness of God. I don't know if you're picking up what all these writers inspired by the Holy Spirit wrote in the word of God, but I'm going to tell you plain and simple, you can't earn it and you don't deserve it. It's a free gift and he's ready to give it to you if you only ask and receive in faith. It's amazing. That's not where it stops though. It doesn't stop walking in an aisle when you were nine years old or going to a kid's camp and making a decision for Christ. It is a life journey where the Lord continues to work inside of you. I really, truly believe that. And so because of that, we have to understand that God has a job for us to be sharing this news, this good news, that all can be redeemed and all can be made righteous. You couldn't earn the salvation and you surely can't earn the righteousness of God. He chooses to give it to you willingly and that should lift your spirit, amen? Because it's only the righteous who can have fellowship with God and he makes a way for that to happen. Maybe you're old enough to know what the term full gospel really means and I alluded to that a moment ago, but I came here today to tell you that our church is a church that believes in the full gospel of Jesus Christ. We are a full gospel church. We don't take pages out of scripture that we don't like. We dive even into the hard passages. We look at that stuff. We don't serve up a fake gospel. I don't preach a prosperity gospel. I don't just give you half of the gospel. We just don't talk about only the easy parts and that which tastes good. We talk about the hard and challenging parts. I shared with you just a moment ago about the suffering that has already occurred for the church of Jesus Christ around the world, and it is coming. They've been echoing this warning for years, and you thought they were crazy. I did too. I thought, man, my dad is, he's loopy. He's out there. He doesn't know what he's talking about. When I see some of the information that is coming out today of what's happening, the enemy is attacking the up and coming generation. We need the hope of a full gospel Not one that preaches a permissive grace where I got saved when I was seven and I can do what I want and I'm still going to go and be with Jesus forever. We don't preach that sort of a gospel. We don't talk about that in that way because we understand while grace is unearned, there's effort on my part. (laughs) There's effort on my part. Amen. We don't preach a social justice gospel. Hear me clearly and go back and rewind the tape later if you have, if you have questions, okay? Because I'm going to say this as clear as I can. I believe in, with all of my heart, according to what God's word says, that we are to be good citizens and stewards in this world. But when we elevate the creation over the creator, then we've missed the mark completely. So you don't get a half gospel, you get a full gospel. You don't get permissive grace, you get a full understanding of what the grace of God means in your life and that you must honor it with your obedience. Here's another thing. We don't preach some new age mysticism gospel about some crazy uh, self-help, the answers inside of me, the truth. No, the word of God tells me my heart is deceitfully wicked and I need an outside source to help help me. 
If you just, if you've ever looked at a child, you know this. <laughs> they need an outside source, don't they, mama? They need an outside source, don't they, granddad? They absolutely, we as humans need that outside source. We don't have the answer. So here's what I'm going to say, which sounds old school, but I'm telling you, there's nothing wrong with that old time religion that I know and grew up with. It's fine just the way it is because it preached that Jesus is the only way, that he's the truth and the life and that no man can come to the father, but by him. We don't preach a flexible faith gospel where you take something from this and you take something from this and I love to do this too and I kind of believe in this and I carry crystals in my pocket and I always read my horoscope but I'm never missing church. I'm there every... Se- Listen, we don't, we don't do that stuff and mess with that flexible, customizable faith where you can just take what you want and throw out what you don't. We preach this. Salvation comes by faith and it's facilitated by allegiance. That other word, allegiance, you've all said it if you've ever stood before an American flag. The significance of that word may be lost on you. So let me give you another word. Because we've said it so much, it kind of like, well, what does that really mean? Loyalty. That's what it means. It means that I come to him by faith and I receive that free gift. But then I, I owe something later. <laughs> I, I owe my obedience. I owe my honor to him. I owe my love to him. I owe my life to him because he saved me and he set me free. Amen. So we, we talk about man's willful degeneration, like how we willfully chose to degenerate or to break ourselves down, and God's free offer of regeneration. And I'm going to tell you this. I just talked about the educational system, and I don't know where you stand on all of those things, but I'm telling you the days we're living in are scary. And I thought just 10 years ago, Hmm, maybe my dad said that just because we were kids. No, I'm not saying this just because they're kids at this point. I'm telling you the days we're living in are scary. There are churches today, specifically in the United States, and even one that's come out very recently that surprised me, who has adopted modern-day cultural preferences and opinions And put those things over top of the truth of the gospel. And here's what I've got to tell you today. In a dark and a darkening and in a dead and dying world, we need a living God who saves to the uttermost, who does not need to be altered. That gospel doesn't need to be changed in order for us to let others come. God wants the drug addict, the prostitute, the corrupt politician. He wants the homosexual. He wants them to come to him and receive salvation. But by God, he doesn't want them to remain the same. Then there is no change and there's no need for salvation. If God hasn't, and I'm getting ahead in my notes and you better be thankful because there's a couple more pages, but there's outward evidence of being saved. 
So if I'm a corrupt politician and I walk into a church and darken the doors of a church, you best believe if I have said in my heart a prayer of faith and received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, when I walk through this world in the next five, ten days, the people who knew me as a corrupt politician sure better recognize me now as a child of God who has stepped away from all of those things. That is the power of the gospel. So we preach the infallible, unchangeable, eternal word of God. And that's what you should share with your family and with your friends, with your enemies, (laughs) with those that you don't even like. But the point is, and you've heard me say this before, if you've been in fellowship with us at all, I'm not telling you to go hold a sign on a corner and hold a Bible and hit somebody in the back of the head and shout, you're going to hell if you don't accept Jesus. I am not asking you to do that. If you do it, do not tell anyone you come to this church. Do not do that. What I'm telling you is God's put you. God's put you in the place that he wants you. And he wants to use you. The truth hurts, but the truth also heals. And I think we have succumbed. As, as the body of Christ, especially in America, we've succumbed to the temptation that is only from the enemy that says, shh. And we've forgotten the truth of that childhood song that I know that pretty much 90% of us in this room know. This little light of mine. I'm going to hide it around certain friends so that they don't. No, that's not how the song goes. Amen. It says, I'm going to let it shine. I'm going to let it shine so the truth hurts, but it also heals. And the knowledge of the truth, the Bible says, will set you free and you will be free indeed. That's the good news, that you can be free. Well, I don't want to hear this mess about I'm a prisoner. No, I'm not. I do my own thing. I don't want to hear this idea that I need a God. I've been fine all these years without him. You've got to be ready to defend your faith and help people understand who God is, who they are, even if they're unwilling to think about that, and why they need God. That's the whole idea of the gospel that we proclaim. So let me give you a couple more points. Point number four is this. There are conditions. You say, well, wait a second, Pastor, didn't you just say a second ago that it's free? (laughs) What are you talking about? Hey, look at me. Grown-ups in this room specifically, you'll understand the reference. There is no such thing as a free lunch. (laughs) Right? Okay, so listen. There are conditions, and I'm going to tell you what the conditions are, but they're easy and everybody can do them. Here are the conditions to salvation. They are two. There are two. They are repentance and faith. And anybody can do it. I shared the story with you of my grandfather who had done so many wrong, terrible, literal, evil things in his life. And how he was unbelieving that God's love could reach him because of all of the, let me call it a a rap sheet, because of the, the list of wrongs that he'd done. How could God forgive me for those things? 
That's the good news of the gospel. If you repent from those things and you believe in faith in the God we proclaim, then you shall be saved, the Bible says. So salvation is received through repentance toward God and faith in Jesus. Amen? Acts chapter 3, verse 9. You might not have these on the screen. Um, We ran out of time this morning, but write the references down. Acts 3, 9. Repent, therefore, and turn back that your sins may be blotted out. Romans 10, verse 13 and 14. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they've never heard? And how are they to hear unless somebody tells them? And you think that's just for the missionaries to share that verse when they're telling you they're going to Mexico or they're going to Europe to share the gospel. It's not, hey, attention missionaries, these verses are just for you. It says everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him if they don't believe in him? And how can they learn about him to believe in him if no one tells them? And that's not written for missionaries that sacrifice their lives on foreign fields. That's written to you. Amen? Amen. Amen. Just like Jeremiah 29, 11 is. (laughs) Come on. Titus chapter 3, verse 5 and 7 says this. He saved us. Listen to me, church. He saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness. So what the author is saying and what the Holy Spirit intends for you to understand is even the good you do can't earn it. He saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing and regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior. Verse 7 says, so that being justified by his grace, we become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. There's got to be evidence of salvation. That's point number five evidence of salvation. And there's two different evidences. The first is this inward evidence, which is internal. The inward evidence of salvation that you are saved is the direct witness of the spirit. No, I've not lost my mind. I'm telling you what I believe according to scripture that God still speaks And when I've done wrong against his word and not obeyed him, and I've been tempted to walk down the path of the thought that the enemy gives me of, well, it looks like the bad stuff you did made you unearn his salvation, I can turn to the inner witness of the Holy Spirit that says, you are a child of God, and God is giving you a moment to repent of that sin that you've committed. Come and turn from your sin and walk in faith. This is the inward evidence. God still speaks. You're not hearing random voices. It is God who gives you this inner witness of the spirit. And here's the Bible verse for it. Write this down. Romans 8 verse 16. The spirit himself bears witness with your spirit that you are children of God. You've got to understand this gospel has origins in a different place, in a Jewish faith, 
And these Jews who then met Jesus, witnessed his miracles, saw his ministry, saw him die on a cross, and then heard about him resurrecting from the grave and seen him. There were hundreds that witnessed his physical body after his resurrection. They were at the place of saying, okay, I want to believe in this Jesus as my Messiah. Can you imagine having 40 years of false religion that didn't include salvation? And then you all of a sudden say, wait, is it, is it really that easy? Are you sure? So they needed the witness of the spirit, which God provides. And what the apostle Paul writes to those who are in Rome, when he says that in Romans chapter 8, 16, that the spirit bears witness. He gets on the testifying stand, the testimony stand as a witness and says, yes, she is a daughter of the king. That is what happens internally. The outward evidence is a life of righteousness and holiness. The outward evidence to all people is a life of righteousness and true holiness. Let me stop here for a second and just make sure I'm very clear. If you weren't here somewhat recently when we talked about the word of God several weeks ago, let me say this. There is an erroneous That means error. There is a false idea that has been planted into the minds of believers over the last several decades here specifically in America that says that you don't have to use your mouth. You can preach this gospel with your life. That is a lie. That is a lie. Yes, your life should show outward evidence, But you cannot cop out and never study God's word to be able to make a defense for the faith you have if you are just sitting around saying, well, they're just going to, they're going to notice me as I leave my driveway every Sunday morning. They'll, they'll know I'm not going to brunch with friends. I'm, I must be going to church. They're witnessing my life. That's a cop out for you to not use your mouth. Come on, I know it's not for you, it's for other people you know, okay? It's a cop-out that's been in the church a long time that says that you don't need to actually know what you believe and why you believe it. You just let people see you be kind and help the old lady across the street with the groceries and they'll say, well, surely Jesus changed him. (laughs) No, they won't. They need to hear this gospel, amen? Ephesians chapter four, verse 22 says this, put off your old self. Throw it in the trash. Get rid of it. It belongs to the former manner of your life and it's corrupt through deceitful desires. Ephesians 4.23 says, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and 24 to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. I'm excited because I know that when we proclaim the gospel, sometimes it will fall on deaf ears. Sometimes we will be rejected. Sometimes there will be persecution. But I'm excited to know that there are fertile hearts in your realm of of reach that are waiting. They don't know it, but they're waiting to hear this good news. Do you understand how lonely and broken 
the people without God are. They need hope. And we've got the hope that they need. You just need to open your mouth to your neighbor when you're both getting your trash. Ask them how their day is. Ask them what church they attend. Take, make an assumption. Start a conversation and see where it leads. See where it leads. Step out in faith. You stand in faith praying for your sick, lost loved ones. But then we shy away from sharing our faith with those that we know. God wants to build this church, but he's not going to do it magically. He's, he wants to do it through you. Here's a couple more things we believe regarding salvation. The first thing is this. You need to understand we disapprove of unconditional security. Basically what that says, and I know these are some big words, and I know we've got kids with us today, but there are people that say that once you've said one prayer in your life, you can do what you want, and you never have to have a living relationship with the Lord, and you're still going to go to heaven. The scripture The Holy Scripture disproves of that doctrine, but it's preached even today right now in churches across our city and across our nation and around the world that we could use another term, which we've probably heard before, once saved, always saved. Let me just tell you, there is a multiple faceted evidence in Scripture that says that is not the case. So... The the next thing we believe is that you can forfeit or abandon your salvation by willfully turning away from Christ. I, I need you to listen to me because you've got Presbyterian background in this room. You've got Methodism. You've got Baptist. You've got all sorts of different theology that you've grown up with. I am not sharing with you my own opinion of something. I am telling you, you can come to me after service today. I will give you 14 references in God's word that say that you can forfeit or abandon by willfully turning away from Christ. It's in there. So we must live with that reality and we must share this gospel with others so that they understand. We also believe this. This is good news, the next one, because we believe that those who have turned away can come home. We believe in the word backslide and backslidden. In fact, it appears in scripture. In fact, God's journey with the Israelite people was would you stop cheating on me and walking away from me and just come home? And he received those who were willing to be received. So there's hope even if you've rejected and been away from him for a lifetime. There's hope that you can return and receive grace and forgiveness. This is good. This is great news. We disapprove of the man-made theories that involve God pre-selecting or predetermining those who will be saved. Now, I can give you dozens again of scriptural references to help you understand what I mean. You might be here today with Baptist background and you say, well, wait, wait a second though. I've heard about predestination, but I don't see that word there. Let me just get into this a little bit and help you today. 
you were created with a free will, that is what makes you a sentient being. You are like God in the image of God and made with a free will will to choose. Sorry, I got a little Southern there. A free will to, to choose, okay? But listen, we disapprove of the man-made theory that God pre-selects some for salvation and some for damnation. There's this theory out there that says that God chose these elite people over here and they will be saved because he's chosen them to be saved and he's chosen these others to go to the bad place. And that is not in scripture. It is not in scripture. While God has foreknowledge, of all things and events, including those things which are possible and don't happen, it's antithetical to the testimony of Scripture and to our faith in God to say that he has created for some to be saved and others not to be. And here's what else it does. It makes God a liar in every other place of scripture where literally from the beginning of our fall, there's a prophecy that is made that says redemption is on its way. And it won't just be for just you, this couple here. It'll be for all who come. It also makes God a liar when Jesus spoke to Nicodemus in John chapter three, when he said for all whosoever will believe. It makes God a liar. And God is not a liar. Amen? The choice for us to be saved is up to us. God is sovereign in all that he does and does not in any way deny humans the freedom to respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. So don't you write them off. I don't care if it's the worst thug if it's somebody who's in prison for life for heinous crimes, I don't care if it's your next door neighbor, 92-year-old lady. God sent his son to save them all. He hasn't determined that some of them are absolutely going to. He hasn't made that choice for them. He knows that not all will receive this gospel. And I know that it breaks his heart. And the reality while I studied and developed this message was I know that I have broken his heart in missed opportunities. And I'm not saying that as a guilt, like I'm living under some you know, gloomy cloud. I'm telling you, I know that I've lived in moments of disobedience in my life by not sharing my faith. And it grieves me to know that God is grieved but in his foreknowledge, here's the thing. I know that he's good enough and big enough to send somebody else their way. I know that even in the moment that I mess up, that God can provide other people and other opportunities to enlighten and bring them to the hope of the gospel. So don't ever think that he's created some for the, for the trash pile and some for the good pile. He has created every man and every woman and he wants them all. Amen? So, just because he knows what will occur, it is not the same as making it happen. 
Scripture itself rebukes the teachings of Augustine and of John Calvin when they, when they talk about this idea of predestination and preselection and predetermination. Scripture actually rebukes that. And hundreds, maybe even thousands of books have been written in defense of or in opposition to one of these theological sides. You don't need to read any of them. <laughs> you just need to read your Bible. Do you hear me, church? Say amen loudly. Amen. It, good. It helps me finish. This is great. Go home today. If you're interested, if you're interested at all in deeper study of the word of God, there is an amazing passage of scripture. The chapter is 1 Samuel 23. We believe that salvation is an ongoing conflict with temptation and sin. There are references for that. The, the references and other phrases that are used are like the old man, the new man, um, putting the old man to death or the old self to death and rising to new life. There's a ton of that in scripture talking about how being saved is not just a one-time event. It is an ongoing process and we will continue to see temptation arise and we will have moments of weakness, but God's grace is stronger and bigger. Amen. Lastly, we believe in these two real places. There's a real heaven. Hallelujah. There is a real reward for those who are going to heaven. It is, there is a now present kingdom on the earth that's established by God. So we say that it's already begun, but it's not yet fully realized until the moment that we're all with him in his eternal kingdom and part of his family forever. And we also believe in a real and literal hell and lake of fire where it will be an eternal residence for those who have rejected this gospel that we proclaim. Listen to me when I say this. It is a place of punishment for all sentient beings. I like that word. Because it helps describe spiritual beings in rebellion who had free will and chose to rebel. And it also describes humankind who chooses to rebel. Hell is a real place. And if you want to help people avoid that and get them to the place of finding a relationship with God or entering into a relationship with God, you've got to open your mouth and tell them this good news. Amen? What we want to do today is we want to offer a prayer for those of you who are here, and you may be searching. You may be wanting to, to come to faith and come to the place of, yes, I do believe. Lord, help me to accept you. If that's you, we want to give you that option for salvation today. Maybe today you're convicted in your heart because you say, you know, I have this friend that's really struggling and I've been struggling in how to share my faith with that person. God, help me. He wants to today, amen? So I want us to close our eyes and I want us to bow our heads. Nobody's looking around. If you today say, pastor, 
I've never done this before, but I'd love to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I believe he is the savior. I want to accept his love, his grace, his forgiveness. I want to commit my life to him. If that's you, step out of your seat right now and head to one of these sides and receive prayer. While any of those who are responding are moving, if you're here today and you have a need for prayer for any, any reason whatsoever, if you need physical healing, if you need financial help in your life, you need a new job, you need healing in a marriage or a relationship, you need reconciliation, if you need prayer for any reason whatsoever, that's what our prayer team is here for. We want to pray for you today. Commit our hearts to the Lord today.